Graphic Nature acknowledges the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we record the show, and pay our respects to the Elders past, present and future, and extend that respect to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening to this podcast. Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. Fighting for what's right, for justice, that's what a hero does. It is my opinion, without any reasonable doubt and without any reservation, that comic books are an important contributing factor in many cases of juvenile delinquency. Comic books are pure evil. Satan himself condemns our children to the fiery depths of hell. How a particular tale can come to life in the mind of a reader is endlessly fascinating to me. We have found that all comic books have a very bad effect on teaching the youngest children the proper reading techniques. This balloon print pattern prevents that. I am not a villain. I am a victim. A victim of a society that tortured me. Vengeance will be mine. It'll be mine. It'll be mine. It'll be mine. Welcome to Graphic Nature a podcast exploring the inspiring world of comic books, the culture that supports it, the creators, publishers, and people behind the printed pages and digital screens pushing the medium on into the future in Australia and the world. I'm Zoran Ilyevsky. On this episode, we're joined by Tim Burden, creator, writer, and artist. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Let's start off with what got you into into comics. I, I guess comics have just always been around. My my brothers had comics when I was like really young. We had like uh like Tintin and stuff and they used to have this whole stack of like superhero comics. Like uh I really like the Batman stuff, but the Superman stuff and other stuff didn't really appeal to me as much. But I think I like the the gothic y kind of Batman stuff and uh there was a bit of Richie Rich in there, but Mad Magazine. I used to read a lot of like Mad Magazine, mm-hmm. love that stuff. But yeah, and then I think I guess I went through this this period of time where I where I just draw my own comics and I wasn't really taking inspiration from anything. I was just always, oh, you know, making comics is just something you do. It's a it's just a simple thing everyone does. Yeah. And I'd 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 keep making my own concepts and I'd write stuff and I wish I kept it because I threw a lot of it out. You know, you go through that phase where you're just like, ah, oh, this is all trash and you throw it out. And it's just like, ah, oh, I wish I kept that old sci-fi comic I wrote when I was like twelve. You know, it Did, would have been fun to look back on. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm, I'm the same. You look at some of your old work and, and you know, anything creative you've done that you've decided to keep. And like yourself, I, I managed to turf quite a lot of it. But sometimes you go through it, and you know, was it really that great? Mm, yeah. It's it's nice to see how you grow, I guess. Oh, yeah. Now now I'm like overly protective, where I'm keeping every scrap of sketches I do, and it's just it's it's horrendous. I need to I actually need to do I need to purge things again now. I think um, what sort of got me back into the whole comics thing was basically uh, like Jean and Vasquez. Like someone I was I was watching Vader Zim, and someone asked me, "Oh, you must be a fan." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm a fan." They're like, "Oh, he does comics as well." So I got into all his back his back catalog of comics there was a borders near where i was studying so i realized ghost world was based on a comic book and i'd gone into daniel close and just i started exploring just everything outside of superhero comics and it was just like i was, I was sort of really interested i was just like oh i've got money now i can buy some of these things and i can explore like comic books again and yeah and i guess i got back into it and i'm just like well i should start making comics again and yeah I guess, yeah, I'm not sure if I really stopped, but I, you know, I sort of turned around. I want to take it a bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. So I've just been working on ideas for, uh, I don't know, over a decade. Right. Uh, I don't want, I don't want to explain how long I've been working on misery, but, uh, geez, it's, it's a while. Why, <laughs> why don't you want to explain it? Oh, I'll explain it, but just, it's embarrassing. Cause it's like, this is the first like installment of, uh, misery, Miss Muffet. And I've been working on this idea for over a decade and it's just like, you know, like, pull your finger out and get it get it out there and i guess that's sort of what what's happened in the last couple of years i don't think you should just i don't think you should be so hard on yourself Uh, every time uh every time i've read uh, particularly a lot of indie creators who end up working for commercial companies uh or in particularly in the states but even you know even just being illustrators and and working uh commercially and doing stuff for other companies outside of or other art forms outside of comics some mm. sometimes you know their, their projects take ten years, fifteen, yeah. fifteen mm. years. Um, I I don't think you really need to kind of you know <laughs> beat your own brow about it. 
Um, if it yeah. takes you that long, it takes you that long. Life, uh, life uh, pops up for everybody. You got to deal with shit. I think it's just how my brain works. It's just like it's trying to kick me in the ass and like get you know. It's like get a move on and get some stuff out there. You're not gonna. It's like I have so many ideas. I'm, I feel like I'm not going to be alive long enough to like explore all the ideas. So it's just like get it out there. If it's not perfect, just just do it. I, like someone said, like if it's seventy percent good, you know that's that should be good enough for you. Like just get it out there. I'm like, yeah, okay. Be less hard on yourself. Just yeah, get it out there. Let people read it, and I'm, you'll improve yeah. as you go. Absolutely. I was going to say the same thing. It, I mean, over the years, I've chatted to many people, and um, I suffer from the same thing. Um, you know, but I, in my later years, I've decided that well, you know, good, bad, just get it done. And, yeah. you know, and if, if it's not good enough, then you'll know. And if it is good enough, well, then that's great. And at the end of the day, if 50% is a pass, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, you know, if you're scraping through, you're still getting through. So, yeah, you know, I did. I like, I rushed my first, um, like my first, uh, so uh, like my, I guess my solo comic, my first one, I really rushed and it was, came out really crappy and I wasn't very proud of it. So I'd kind of, I'd give it to people for free and just be like, yeah, this is sort of my work and I've got something better on the way. And yeah. So I'm a bit more proud of like, uh, misery, miss Muffet, but, um, yeah, I'm going to still, I'm going to go back and do more. It's like an anthology comic. I'm going to do another one of those, uh, soon, but yeah. Were you, were you pushing it, uh, out on like festival circuits, like doing small zines, I, fairs and stuff was, like that? Uh, I was actually trying to make the first indie comic con cause I really liked the idea and I thought, Oh, I'll try and get it done for that. So I sort of rushed it to get it. Yeah. Ready for that. But it was just, it wasn't up to, to par, but some people bought it. They appreciate the style of it despite some of the printing errors, but you know, but then when I, I approached misery, miss Muffet, I just took my time and just made sure every little thing was perfect. Got people to make sure there's no spelling errors and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You said that there was a big period between actually, you know, first getting getting into reading comics and you then creating. Mm. What was it that actually got you creating? Like, what was the what was the impetus for you to go? You know what? Actually, I'm going to draw this. I'm, I'm going to do my own comic. Probably just uh, watching a lot of movies, reading, absorbing stuff, and going. I want to, I want to experience like a really dark story. What's, what's darkness to me. And you kind of like, you piece together and you'd watch things. I'm, th I'm always thinking, oh, I love the atmosphere of the scene in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like I, like I talk people's ear off about the space jockey scene in alien. I'm, and people are so sick of me talking about the space jockey scene in alien, mm -hmm. but it's just like, you don't know what the hell that thing is in the chair. And it's just like, it's never explained in that movie until they did Prometheus and all that, which let's just put that aside for now. Mm -hmm. But it was really such a creepy moment. And, you know, you watch other movies and they have similar moments where they just, they throw something from left to field and you're just like, what the hell was that? And so I just sort of, I, I, I've been kind of piecing together a, a creepy story of my own. And, you know, it's got loads of influences. I, I've been trying to describe it to people as like Texas Chainsaw Massacre meets like Alice in Wonderland. I always love that. I can see that. I always, yeah, I always love like, you know, horror movies are typically about groups of people and they all get picked off one by one by one. And you're like, and you're down to the last girl or, or something like that. But I kind of prefer, you know, the evil dead approach where it's like, you're just following Ash Williams on his journey and he's, or, or the Ripley approach where it's like, yeah, she's the last girl in the first movie, but then it becomes about a sto story throughout the whole series. I kind of like that whole idea where, uh, of a horror story just focusing on one person. And there's going to be some side characters, sure, and maybe, maybe whether they live or, or not is up is uh, in question. But yeah, I just that's sort of that was one detail I sort of took from like Evil Dead. I just like yeah, I want I want to focus on one character and see them go through a horrific experience. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm I'm laughing, but uh, so, you know, wanting to see someone go through a horrific experience, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, is, is pretty funny. Um, where did that come from? Where did this um? penchant for for wanting to see you know a, a character go through this um terrifying ordeal jeez I, I think it was just i was exploring what what do i think's creepy what do i think is the darkest stuff and i i always like landscapes of uh, hr Giger and stuff like mm -hmm. he has these really creepy landscapes and i just cut out like a picture of alice from alice in wonderland and i just planted it in front of it and i'm just like i love this i love this idea of this little girl going through this horrific situation and then i just started going okay i can't rely on other people's imagery i really need to make this my own so i just start 
I just started sketching. What do I think's gothic-y? What's my take on gothic-y, creepy, you know, situ- environments and creatures and stuff? You know, some of them are a bit cheesy, and then some I'm like, ooh, I'm getting somewhere, and I'd refine it and refine it. I've got like 20 probably plus sketchbooks of just trying to refine this world. And yeah, so this is just like, this is the first act of it, I guess, in a way. But, you know, there's there's going to be more. I want to explore this world more, and yeah, hopefully it entertains people. After reading uh, Misery Miss Muffet, like a lot of the stuff in it's pretty harrowing. Like it's, mm. for the lack of a better word, it's fucked up. Yeah, (laughs) uh, and so it was. You know, I'm just trying to understand like where you're coming from with regard to, you know, is it is it purely just an aesthetic thing, or I want to I want to physically I want to create something that might that may hopefully create a a physical um, experience for someone reading it, or is it a I just I just want to do some really macabre shit. You, you know, it, it started out with the aesthetic and I, I originally went into it going, I'm going to have some this like hot chick and she's going to like kill zombies with an axe and it's going to be all gory and stuff. But the the more I worked on it, I thought, I, I think I, I'm not going to out the person, the comic book artist, but I bought this one comic and it was sort of similar to what I thought I originally wanted. And it was all these like hot chicks and they're fighting vampires and they get a little slightly naked, not totally naked. And I was just like, this is pretty shallow stuff. And I think I need to dig a little deeper into my idea more. And I started sort of putting in like some of my childhood like fears and stuff into it. So I, I try to make it a lot more personal. It's like, what do I find creepy? What what kind of stuff bothered me when I was a kid? And what kind of imagery bothered me when I was a kid? And um, so I'd sort of borrow from that and I'd, I'd insert it a little. Um, but yeah, so I, I try to make it a bit more personal. And so I hope it sort of, uh, I hope it taps like a weird kind of off the corner of your eye horror that you, you don't know what's quite there, but it's it's something that bothers you. So hopefully, it, um, I, I like to think it. hopefully it's landing. I'll probably get better at it, but yeah. Like, um, do you, you know, like Al Columbia, have you ever read any of his stuff? No, I haven't. He's he's this guy, he's like, um, he, he does these like old this old sort of Fleischer kind of style cartoons and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's super macabre. And it's like, um, it, I call it like stranger danger, like vibes. It's like, you, you don't know what's quite off about it, but it's just like, it's not quite right. And you know, you, there's just something that's familiar, but you just, you, you don't want to be there or something. It's just, I, I yeah, he's, he's very cool. It's, uh, I love his the stuff. I'm a big fan of him. Right, and 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 you want to try and emulate that in your stuff? Like, Not necessarily emulate, because he has a lot of people who try to copy his stuff, and I discovered his stuff super late. I only co- discovered his stuff in the last like five years or something. But I, then I found out like lots of people are trying to imitate his style, um, and I, I'd already kind of established my aesthetic and my tone. But but just seeing him and the way he kind of nails that that stranger danger tone I'm talking about, I was just like damn it he's like nailed it I, I, that's where i need to be i need to get that like tone where you're just not quite sure what's not right about something you know uh, um, do you mean visually or do you mean like just all encompassing like there's just all something encompassing. Right, right, yeah right. yeah like there's this the scene where um the one of the characters gets uh, is chased by a monster and then she gets picked up by this stranger in a car and then they keep driving off so she's safe from the monster but then they keep driving, they go out of town and you're just like, Oh, this isn't right. And he's like a little bit too friendly. And, and then she's like, I want to get out of the car and she steps out of the car. And then it's just like this weird, like landscape, like just these grass fields and you know, there's nothing there. And then the, and, and you just, and she steps back into the car and then that's the last time you see her. And it's just like, Oh, you know, this just, just leaves the, the, the right amount of creep and fear in the, in the story. There, there was a book that Image printed oh, a couple of years ago, and it was it was called Plastic. Um, it was about a, a deranged. He was like, well, he come off. He came off as a deranged psychopath, but he was all he wanted was his blow up doll. Okay. And um, basically, he was in love with he was in love with the blow up doll. I have I haven't read it in a long time. I reread it, but it was it was weird enough for me to go. Oh, this is. It's interesting what they've done with it because uh, here's this guy who's not afraid of anything, 
But the moment he gets mixed up with uh, with this like mob kind of crew mm. who run this town and um, inadvertently saves a girl who knows that he's creepy as fuck, but like him, mm. he's like he's not even interested in it. He doesn't want to rape it, doesn't want to kill it, but she sees him just like absolutely mutilate all these mob guys mm. and doesn't touch a hair on her head, leaves her mm. alone on a park bench. And and it's all because they've they've stolen his blow up doll. It was it was super strange, wacky. It was, was a great it book. It was called Plastic. Plastic. I'm gonna write that down. That sounds cool. Um, from what I'm getting from you, that's kind of a similar feeling to what I had. Like the whole point, the whole time that this cat was, or this character was in in the car with the girl who he had inadvertently saved. Mm. The whole time was like, is he, the, the way they wrote it and the way they paced it was like, is, what's he going to do with her? Is he going to kill her? Because he's just killed everybody else. Yeah. Um, and he's absolutely just destroyed them. And, you know, the, the way that they portrayed him physically was f- effectively just drawn as a, a plain, uh, a plain, you know, dude in his 30s. Mm. And then let everything, uh, let his, basically let his actions dictate how he was seen in the book and in, in respect to all the other characters. But he, you know, the dude was like, you read it and you just go, this dude's like, he's 100% deranged. <laughs> but, um, Interesting. And, you know, and, and a sociopath, but, but not completely because, you know, he's not, it, it's hmm. almost like I'm absolutely deranged and I'm going to kill everybody. But if you're an innocent, I'm going to leave you alone. Cause hmm. you know, it doesn't, you don't bother me at all. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not really doing it justice. Like it, it needs to be read. It, I thought it was great. The only other, there's a few other books that have managed to affect me uh, viscerally like that, um, and that would be um, Animal Man, Animal Man, Animal. yeah, yep. Animal Man and um, Swamp Thing. When they when they released those two books, and hmm. they were connected in talking about this concept of the rot, which was. Um, uh, just a, a new take that Lemire was working on um, from memory. Mm. Uh, and the way that uh, the way that the artist that was working on Animal Man, uh, when he was drawing the humans that were affected by this rot, uh, I, in some instances, I couldn't actually read the book. It, it was interesting because I've never felt like that with reading a comic before. And mm. uh, as I'm reading it and his drawings and some of the, the way that he would depict these malformed humans was just, it was getting more and more, uh, stomach turning. And mm. that was, that was probably one of the only other, that one of the only other times that I was affected physically by reading a comic book. Cause generally horror in comics for me never works hmm. because I look at it and I go, it's, it's, or I'm too far removed. I'm, I'm reading it and th- th- I've never understood it. Do you think it's to do with the visuals? Do you think like certain visuals work? better for like describing horror and stuff because I, I i tend to like i don't get into stuff when it's got that traditional like superhero art art style to it but as soon as it becomes like either cartoony or it becomes like a bit sloppier it for some reason it just appeals to me more like um like one of one of my influences like ben templesmith you know he um he's got like a lot of texture and stuff and i think it suits horror a lot better but um but when you get back into like yeah, DC stuff. For some reason, it I don't know. It doesn't work for me as as well. But um, I guess yeah. I guess for me, it's it's a lot. More, it has a lot more to do with um, things like the tension and mm. and you know being able to put all that stuff in a comic book and mm. and make it work. Uh, and I think you know because you've got the, the you know generally with the comic, the way I see that see them is you have the setup, then the reveal, and every time. I see something that's supposed to be, you know, fear inducing in mm. a comic. It never really kind of works. And, yeah. you know, the, the payoff doesn't necessarily be, have to be visual. And I think that's generally when, if I'm reading like a, a book that's supposed to be, you know, thrilling or whatnot, mm. you know, in that respect, I can understand why they wouldn't, you know, why they don't depict it visually or that, you know, mm. it, it works better because, uh, I suppose in a comic book form, I can look at something and go, wow, that's creepy. But at the end of the day, it's not really, you know, it's not really doing it's not tangible. Yeah. yeah. It's not really doing to me what I think is, is, you know, the point of it. Like intellectually, yeah. my brain goes, 
yes, I get why that would be scary for that character, mm. but it's, you know, it's, uh, sensorially not, it doesn't work for me. Check out Al Columbia. I reckon you might find a an appreciation for him because he's very good at depicting horror on, on the page. Um, but I, I think there's some exceptions. Like there's a few people that do pretty well, but I also think like, uh, I like to think misery is also a bit of a, a dark comedy as well, because it, it, I like, um, one of my friend's girlfriends, she, she read misery. Uh, and I was like, Oh, did you find it scary? And she, she laughed and said, no, <laughs> so it's like, okay. But it's, it's still, I like to think it's a dark comedy at least. So people can enjoy it in that, in that way as well. Well, uh, speaking of Miss Misery, I also read the, uh, the the short that you had, Natives. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you say that was, uh, that's not quite finished? You're, you're still running through drafts? I might, I might still, because there's a couple of panels I'm not happy with, so I'm going to improve just little tiny bits there. But that's going to be in the next um, Morbid Sheep issue. So Morbid Sheep number one was the comic I wasn't that happy with, but it's it exists. It's, it's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morbid Sheep number two is going to be, yeah, a, a little bit more refined and hopefully yeah good it's it's more of a testing ground where i just sort of test ideas and come up with story ideas and stuff but um that's actually connected to a story it was one of the first comics i did and put out there was uh for a concept album for uh now friend uh say lilith he he had a band called blatherskite and they approached me to do their album cover and we got along really well we we had a lot in common and then we were just like, oh, let's put a let's put a comic book in the booklet. So it's just like, hell yeah, let's do it. And we came up with a story together, and now we've just been developing the story and we've come up with a few different chapters. It's just this weird surreal story, and it's uh, yeah, it's sort of a collaboration between the two of us. But uh, he had he had that one. Then he had another band called the Abyss Collective. I did their album cover. Now he's got another band, Z Cluster, and I'm doing their covers as well. And yeah, I've just been collaborating with this guy for like years and years do you do much other work outside of outside of your comic like as in in this case record covers um mainly just for him there's been a couple other requests and stuff i'm sort of i I gave one of my friends a treatment he's he's like an up-and-coming filmmaker he's like making music videos and stuff and he said oh send me a treatment for a story so i had this idea for a horror story so i sent him the treatment recently so maybe that'll go somewhere but it's maybe a bit too soon to talk about yeah right when it when it came to developing misery miss muffet was it just merely sitting down and, and drawing over and over refining the character like what was it how how did you develop it was it simply just alice in wonderland stick it on h.a geiger and uh and it well, kind of formed from there it, it's how it started and then i i started trying to draw myself and um and you know that would help you practice drawing and stuff and eventually i found my own style a lot of people compare it to uh, Jeanne Vasquez, which I like. Some people compare it to Tim Burton, which I'm like, eh, thanks. But um, it's, yeah, it was just about refining the character and then working outside characters, monsters and environments and sort of figure out the tone of it. And, you know, sometimes you draw a monster and you're like, ooh, where where would that fit into the story? And you're like, oh, that's more of a chapter five kind of character where she meets him in this situation and blah, blah, blah. And you kind of just, it slowly puts itself together, I guess. It's sort of, it's almost not like I'm I'm writing. It's more like I'm just trying to piece together and trying to pick pick things out of the air and and make sense of it. I'm just thinking, does this feel right? Does this feel like something? How it would start? How it would end? And yeah, I mean, it it, it took me like the the in the first chapter for misery took me ten attempts to get right. Yeah, and right. Yeah, like there's earlier versions that are in color and stuff, and might even some people might even say it looked better. But this is this is the version I, I thought this is something I can uh do like i can repeat this throughout the next chapter and keep it relatively consistent i was like yeah i can i can live with the standard so i I did want to ask you about color uh Mm. and and you say so the early versions did have color was it minimal color or was it like full color um i'd say it's full color but it was really influenced by like sean pierre journey like you know the guy who does like uh amelie and alien resurrection and uh city of lost children he's got like this really yellow color palette like Mm -hmm. really uh yeah washed out sort of uh, not washed out but like yeah it's just very yellow and it's very uh extreme i used to that's that was my color scheme was influenced by him but yeah i'm I'm hoping maybe do a color version down the down the line but at the moment i just need to get get it done in the black and white format because there was a lot of black in there 
So I was just wondering. Yeah. I was wondering how you get how you're getting color in there with so much black. Uh, I've got my techniques, but yes, my love for the Alien series extends to Alien Four, which a lot of people hate. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of black in here. Mm. There's a lot of black. Yep. Is it is, is it effectively what you've sent me? Did uh, is it basically this, but with color, or did you change quite a lot in the in the change uh, between? Between uh, having color and the, black and white, the color version I actually drew like um, it's it's a bunch of lead drawings, and then I'd scan that in and I'd do the the color in Photoshop and stuff. Right. So, um, but yeah, it's 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 almost got like I used to rely on a, a lot of filters and stuff and trying to make it noisy because I wanted to look like a like a gritty movie kind of thing. You know, that that goes back to like the Ben Templesmith. Like I used to like the way he used filters and stuff, and it gives it this sort of atmosphere and i was trying to replicate that for a while but i sort of i think i lent too heavily on it and -hmm. it became a bit of a crutch and i'm like i think i'm trying to i'm hiding behind effects and stuff so i i went into this version going i need to draw this properly i need to get better at uh like inking even though i'm not inking but getting back into inking like logic and making sure the lines work and stuff and you know i just figured i have to really push myself and and make it work without effects and stuff it's interesting that you that, that you say that. Um, I suppose that, like you say, you you can rely too heavily on it. Uh, was that? Did you have any criticism around that, or was it just basically you noticing it yourself? Uh, no, some people would mention it. They're just like, oh, you know, because I'd have really dark backgrounds and really dark foregrounds, so it just all bleed together. And it's yeah, just right. Like, yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't read properly. Even though I'm like, yeah, it looks exactly like. It, like a Jean Biagione movie, but it's just like, nah, it doesn't, it doesn't work. So I had to sort of, yeah, pull back and, and make sure it, it works on its own. Cause there's a lot of imagery in this uh, that I'm looking at now, which, uh, you know, there, there's quite a lot of, of contrast between the backgrounds mm. and the foreground. So I, I, I would be interested to see how, what the, what a lot of those black on black, uh, uh compositions look like, mm. but it certainly, it certainly works a lot better the way it is now from mm. what I can tell. The best like idea you can get from is like um, on Morbid Sheep number one, the cover gives you a good idea of what the color version looks like. And then in the actual Morbid Sheep number one, there's like a, a black and white version of the color version. So I like to call that the um, the assembly cut where it's sort of, it's an early version of Misery. You can see there's some subtle, there's some changes in the story a little bit, but yeah, I, it's more of a curiosity. It's not like, it's, it's not the... The definitive misery now it's more like yeah if, if you like misery maybe check out the early version in that issue but um going forward more cheap will number two will have new stories and stuff it will have one misery short in it which which is kind of cool and i'm working on another story there's this other concept i have called hector and the crow and it's about like a taxidermist and he's got this crow and they have kind of a tom and jerry sort of relationship and yeah, right. it's it's a lot lighter but it's still it still has a like a gothic macabre sort of uh, aesthetic but it's it's lighter in tone i don't take it's not as epic or anything it's just kind of just for shits and giggles and how did how do you uh you, you've mentioned now that uh you you've received criticism on on some of your work but particularly constructive how do you mm. deal with that and and how how much impact does that have on the work you actually are doing I don't know. You, you take it on board, but you still have to keep in mind, like, what are you going for? What's your goal? Because no one, no one knows really what your goal is, but you do have to go at the end of the day, does it work? Does it actually translate? Does it make sense to people? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like some, you know, when you read like kids comic books, I've got a few nephews and they, they uh, draw comics and stuff and they, they give them to me. And, you know, it's like, you're trying to piece together their logic and what, what this panel means to that panel. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And I think that's something you have to learn is just making sure the the flow of a comic works. That's the most important mm-hmm. thing. That it, it's it's a bit like movies where you know you don't want to cra- you don't want to cross the camera line. You know you don't want to flip two characters talking to each other and flip them on the other sides because then that confuses the audience. Just stuff like that. And I sent I sent Misery to a comic book artist I like in in Melbourne, and he he complimented me on the on the flow of the comic and he said yeah it makes sense it's good so i'm like yep cool i'm there it's i mean i'm hoping to get even better than it uh even better but yeah it, it's working so I'm, I'm i'm fine with that so you're you're happy to take on board uh, a lot of criticisms have you had any negative criticisms come through 
Um, not super. No, I don't think so. Um, it's either I mean either people don't get it, or they get it, because I I think my target audience is kind of a bit niche, so not everyone's gonna really absorb it or try to absorb it, because it's just like horror comics, and then it's like really gothicy horror comics. I'm not sure if it's 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 a niche audience, so. I don't know. Some people might just write it off and go, ah, oh, it looks like Tim Burton-y garbage, whatever, you know, but they might think it's a bit too de derivative or, 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 or whatnot, but no, I haven't, I haven't really gotten any criticism for this one so much. You're listening to Graphic Nature. We'll return right after this short message. Hey, thanks for listening. Hope you're enjoying the show. Please jump on Facebook and like us as well as following us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find all the details on the website, graphicnature.media. Thanks very much. Considering that the work is so niche, like how do you get it in front of people that will actually enjoy it? Uh, you have to talk to every single like reader individually and sell it to them. That's that's how I'm doing it at the moment. I only, I only have like 200 followers on Instagram and I, I literally talk to every individual person and just like, hey, you want to follow me on Instagram? This is me. And you just have a legit conversation with people like... Sometimes I do little marketing things where I might find a, a group of people and like, like, you know, on a subreddit or something and you draw something that's kind of in the kind of similar and then you might bring in a few people to follow you. But yeah, usually, but for people who actually buy your comic, I find you have to talk to every person individually, which I don't mind because it's nice to connect with people mm -hmm. that, um, that have similar tastes. And then I can I can rant to them about Alien and just talk to them about space jockeys and they love it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> have you got your, your comics listed on sites? Do you uh, do you have a, your own website where you sell them? Like how how is it that you're that you're finding some of these crew, uh, particularly now with with regard to you know a lot of a lot of conventions and a lot of like small zine fairs aren't really happening all that much. Mm. Um, probably won't for a little while. I'm sticking mainly to Instagram. I was even thinking about getting rid of my Facebook, but people contact me on there, so I got to keep it around. And I don't have a website, but I don't know. I'm not sure if do you need a website now? Maybe you do. Uh, it's uh, I think I'll just keep it very simple because I don't want to have to run too many platforms and stuff because it just distracts you from making content. So I'd rather just stick to Instagram, Facebook, and and people can contact me there, and I'm, I'll. You know, deal with them there. Um, it's on uh, my comics on sale at King's Comics, which is a, a shop in Sydney. They were nice enough to to stock my book, which is really cool. Have you thought about uh, doing a consignment kind of deal with other shops around, not just King's? Uh, I've got one, uh, another one. It's just a small uh, shop in Newtown. What about interstate? I'm thinking about that next, actually, because I've been to Melbourne a couple of times, and there's some cool comic book shops around there that I wouldn't mind uh, contacting. Maybe I'm um, I'm thinking about doing it in person, but I guess we'll see. Uh, maybe I should just try email first, really. But I'll, I'm gonna go to Oz Comic Con, so that's the next convention I'm gonna go to. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna share a table with Tatiana Davidson. Nice. And we're gonna sell some horror comics. It's gonna be cool. Great. Awesome. Yeah. What about internationally? Like, have you thought of trying to breach? breach the international market with some of that stuff considering that a lot of your heroes come from other places in the world mm. particularly your art heroes have you have you thought about kind of connecting with people overseas trying to get your work over there it's very difficult i have sold to a couple of individual people overseas and i do chat to other artists and we exchange artwork and comics and stuff but i don't know i think distributing overseas in a serious manner i think I don't know, maybe you have to approach a publisher, which I'm, I'm thinking about doing at a much later stage. I think I need to get like a few books done and then maybe give it to someone, you know, a few different publishers and see who bites. But at this stage, I kind of want to just do a DIY, get some experience, get my sort of grip on it and get a feel for it and just see where it takes me. And, you know, it's, it's not like I'm in it for the money. I just, I just want to tell stories and stuff and try to find an audience. Are you, are you still reading? Comics? yeah 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 definitely i found this one guy it's this uh italian artist i'm now obsessed with uh what's his name he did this comic called the rust kingdom goes by the name of spugna and it's um just surreal creepy i don't know just spiritual but also physical kind of story and it's just ah, oh, it's just out there it's rad 
and he had this other one called Thinkerless. It's pretty cool. I just got that recently, and yeah, it's all surreal horror and stuff. It's very, very rad. Mm-hmm. I had one hilarious moment where it's like this town gets taken over by this some weird kind of surreal curse, and all their all their facial features get sort of taken away, and their fingers get taken away, and then these two demonic beings start picking up the people and playing badminton with with the individual person and he just yeah. turns into a piece of pulp by the end of it it's so fucking gross uh i had and i, I commented i said that's so darkly hilarious and yeah and he responded so yeah he's a nice guy i like those uh, yeah creepy surreal surreal comics like uh like this guy in al columbia who else i read this one called dull margaret by it was written by Jim Broadbent, who's like, he's an actor. I think he's in like the Harry Potter movies. But it was like, the reason I bought it was it said it was inspired by a Peter Bruegel painting. Not sure if you know Peter Bruegel, but he's he's sort of similar to Hieronymus Bosch. He's like, he does like these big landscapes and it's got a lot of detail. It's very busy, but it's got a very dark color pa- uh, palette. Mm-hmm. But it was inspired by one of his paintings and it's just this uh this this sort of witch chick and she just lives on the outskirts in the swamp and everyone treats her really badly and she just uh she just has this little sad tale and it's actually a really wonderful book and uh, i love it um just you know you you just come across these things and just like i've never heard of this artist but i want uh, i like the i like the sound of it and you just google the imagery and you're just like i like the art i think that suits horror comics and then you just yeah you buy it and absorb it considering that a lot of your 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 stuff is on the darker edge has have you used any of that kind of to exercise any personal demons for yourself um i guess in a way because i've been holding on to like um misery miss muffet in in my head for so long it's actually kind of good just to get it out there because now it's it's not rattling around in my brain anymore it's just out there now it's infecting other people and rattling around in their brains and stuff so it's it's great so just yeah spreading the disease it's it's awesome it's great in this uh environment yeah so so no uh no personal demons uh no, uh, no euphemisms of uh of uh hard luck or anything like that in there uh i don't know it probably there's um it probably represents some of my pessimistic attitude about right like life shitting on you and stuff but i i'm i'm not going to complain i i think my life's pretty i'm pretty lucky to 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 live in australia and uh, i've got a nice family and stuff so I, i'm not complaining so much but i just have a, a depressing outlook when it comes to people and the public and stuff and it just <laughs> you know people find me obnoxious so i don't get along with a lot of people uh, occasionally you know we'll meet someone and we click but the majority of people are just like yeah i, I don't get along with and and how does what does your family think of of this foray into comics well they <sighs> You know, they they go into it saying, you know, it doesn't make money and stuff, which is true. But, you know, it's just something I want to do. It's something I need to do. Because if I don't do it, I'm not going to get satisfaction out of life. So, but my nephews love it. And now they want to make comics. But, you know, I'm trying to give them heads up about, oh, make sure you have a backup career and stuff as well. And do comics on the side. You know, it should be an ex- a form of expression. And, yeah, don't go into it to make money because that's the wrong attitude to have in the first place. But... Yeah, if you have stories to tell, that's comics are great. It's like trying to make a movie without, you know, the budget of a movie. Make a comic, you know. Mm-hmm. Even one of my one of my nephews is actually trying to expand on Misery Miss Muffet himself, and he he draws little creatures, and he's just like, oh, you should put this in. I'm just like, uh, okay, but I, I'm gonna I'll put him in the background and stuff. So yeah, have you it's done that? Funny. Yeah, for the next one, I, I will. He drew this weird like dragon kind of flying creature, so I'm gonna put that in the background in one scene. Yeah. You should get him, a kick out of it. Going to give him the credit? Hmm. Well, I don't know. I'll <laughs> let our lawyers decide. Are you Are you doing stuff digitally? Yeah, I used to do everything with drawings. That's why I have so many bloody sketchbooks. And then switched to digital. Now I don't have to worry about compounding sketchbooks. And I'm I'm finding it a lot easier. It's a lot freer. But it's it's still good to draw things physically because it's just you, you got to mix it up and you got to keep it fresh. It keeps your brain rolling. Otherwise, you you fall into a rut. But yeah, comic books, mainly digital now. It's good to, it, it makes for good transfers to when you want to get things printed. It's just, it's a lot easier. Yeah, right. What about, um, say, a, a printed book versus releasing it digitally? 
uh, I, I, I still, I'm still in love with books. I have a stupid book collection that I'm running out of space with, but, um, I, I like, I like tangible books and stuff. You know, everyone talks about book smell and all that. And I, I, I tend to agree. Even like a, as a, as a, as a promotional tool, like I see a lot of people who are now, you know, who are working and, and, you know, doing things like, uh, a page every couple of weeks posted on, on a mm. site or, you know, things like that. So just opening up or giving, giving yourself the opportunity mm. to open up, you know, another, an, another form of promotion for your work, basically. Um, I've, I've thought about it. I used to be really interested in web comics for a while and I thought, Ooh, maybe I should be exploring this, but it definitely depends the type of story you're trying to tell mm. because, you know, I think when you try to tell an adventure story, telling it page by page, I think is just too excruciating for readers. Whereas if you're telling kind of like maybe a joke that tells us overarching story, it might work a bit better. Like, you know, like Casey Green, the, the guy who does uh, gun show, he's the guy who did that, you know, that meme with the dog and all the fires going around. He's like, this is fine. And he's just sipping his coffee. Um, he's the guy who did that. And it's from gun show. I think that's, that's a good, like that's a good medium because it does have an overarching story, but every, Every now and then there's a joke and stuff. But yeah, I used to I used to be really into his work. Uh Nedroid was really cool. That has that sort of does something not as surreal, but similar as well. Um but yeah, I think webcomics does kind of suit jokes and stuff. Like Perry Bible Fellowship, I love that guy. He's I think he's the greatest web comic book artist of all time. Like he's like an artistic chameleon. Like he can just impersonate like Quentin Blake and stuff, and he just, you know, he, he just copies artist style sometimes and just tells really cool, unique little uh, vignettes and stuff. Uh, I love his work. So you're just sticking now with uh, with the printed form for the time being. For now, for now, we'll see what we'll see how it goes down the road. Maybe because I've had some people they don't necessarily make a living, or some I think some make like just barely a living. But uh, I. I yeah, I'm not trying to make money from the comics, but the idea of distributing further, maybe that's a good idea to explore. But right now, I kind of want to I want to approach my niche and I want to give them something tangible, something that they can hold. And hopefully it's a little bit more special and it's not something that just gets uh, like absorbed and thrown away. You know, I want to give them like a little artifact. I, I like that idea. So that's my approach for the moment, at least. So you're working on the next chapters of Misery Miss Muffet? Yeah. And um, what what else is uh, you did mention briefly some other projects that you're working on, but um yeah. How uh, how are you going to get all this stuff done? I'm I'm assuming you like you've got you've got other things that you have to take care of and this is Yeah. Um oh, I do have a day job, but um yeah. uh, um but I'm hoping to get morbid sheet number 2 done in at night and stuff and just try to I've got most of it done just need to get that finish it's like the little refining stuff at the, before you print a book that takes just as long as the artwork sometimes it's, mm -hmm. it makes no sense but it, it does cuz you just you're driven mad by the presentation you're making you're making sure everything just fits together properly and it's yeah there's nothing wrong with it um even though there probably will be lots wrong, wrong with it but um I'm working on on that but if I'm feeling it I will I'll work on Misery Miss Muffet. I'm doing the page layouts at the moment. I've already got the story done. Like I, I, I know where it's going, but it's just more how do the how do the frames fit in and the you know the panels? How do, how does that all work in? And just trying to refine that before I get in and start drawing it. And, like, and uh, with that being said, what what discipline do you is your favorite dis, favorite discipline? Is it uh, the writing or is it the the art? Um. I like the planning, uh, which I'd call writing at the stage. With, with Misery and Buffett, it's like there's beats that I guess you could write, but I don't write like a, a traditional script. Like I just, uh, I write visually. Like I draw the pictures and I go, oh, what would the dialogue be here? And I've got like two sketchbooks where I just go to the pub and I'm drawing ideas and thinking what the characters say. And I invent new characters and, and stuff like that. And um, that's that's probably the most fun, but that involves drinking beer. So that's probably that says more about me than the discipline itself. But I don't know the, my actual like attitude towards it is you just got to get it done. Like with the artwork and stuff, you just have to pump it out. Even if you draw a bad panel, you just go, no, doing the next panel doesn't matter. I'll come back to it. 
And then, you know, you finish the whole book, you're, you're exhausted, and you, you go back to that panel that you thought was shit, and you go, oh, it's fine. <laughs> you just, you kind of accept it. Is that one of those things where you look back and you just go, oh, I really don't want to draw that again? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Kind of. yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of people over the years, and, and particularly people who have done long, long-running books, or, you know, it's taken them a while to get it. So let's say, you know, 200 pages of drawings. By the time they get to the last 50, they go back and then draw the first 100 because the last 50 are 10 times better than the first 100. Yeah. And I've always, I mean, I'm paraphrasing. I, I don't remember it being that many, but, but yeah, that, it just seems to be a, a running theme with a lot of, a lot of uh, artists when they're doing their books that it, mm. you know, you get to a point where you're refining so much, uh, well, your sorry, your art gets refined so much just by virtue of doing the artwork that when you look back, you know, it's, it's this, it's a picture in time. And so, the back of the book looks 10 times better than the first part of the book. And so then you have to go, well, I've got to make it consistent. And so you have to go yeah. back and touch up on the first few, few whatever, how many pages. I, yeah, I've, I remember Brandon Graham saying something very similar about the end of the book. It's got better like shading and shape to it. And then you go back, he looks at the beginning and they're a lot simpler. The characters have actually changed in design towards the end of the book and and it has it's such a contrast to him but i think as a reader you're just like ah, like this guy's style you don't mm. you don't really overthink it but um my, my attitude is just get the whole thing done and then you look at it and you go what's the top five things that bother me and then you fix those and then you go what's the next top five things that bother me and then you get to that stage where you're just like uh does it really bother me now no nah, i can live with it it's fine let's move on Fifty yeah, percent right. yeah. is a pass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I said seventy, but let's let's. Move uh, well, seventy, seventy, yeah. but but fifty is still a pass. Fifty is a pass. You yeah. know, seventy is slightly better than that. People don't get that when I say a movie is a five out of ten. I'm saying it's okay. It's fine. You know, if it's above five, then you know it's um it's a positive. I've just stopped writing. Now mm -hmm. is is it good or if it's shit? Yeah. You know, um, the nuance, I suppose, in the end. For me, it doesn't really matter. Is if I'm enjoying it, then it's good. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, and because you know, there's just so much stuff out there. How do you, uh, you know, if you're gonna sit there and give a, a rating out of ten, you're gonna start going by decimal points at some stage, mm. and then you know, you, you just get into trouble. Yeah, I mean, I used to uh, read Hyper Magazine. It's like a video game magazine in Australia, and mm -hmm. they used to rate things out of a hundred, and people would analyze when they rated something. 96 or 97 and it's just like there's no difference like it's a great game it doesn't it, that little one percent shouldn't freaking matter but, yeah. <laughs> and it often doesn't because at the end of the day it's what people enjoy it's, it's yeah it's the same reason of you know i i i i like superhero comics but i mm. also like independent i like autobiographical comics i like fiction mm. you know there's so many different types of comics i like and i can't really mm. sit there and go well that one's better than that because they're completely different yeah um, and even in amongst, even if you were to go into something as broad as superhero comics, they're all so different. Um, yeah. That it's, you know, it's good. That's all that mm. matters. As long as yeah. it's good. If it's shit, well, then, you know, you, you don't buy it anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah. You leave it on the right. rack. Yeah. Considering that the, the, the type of climate we're in at the moment, what's, uh, what's next? What's on the cards? Mm, that's a good question. I think it's just about getting the next bunch of books done and keep freaking going. It'd be nice to explore some different mediums, you know, because it's like you do want to expand, like, you know, you've got a niche audience. Comic books are already a, a sort of a niche audience as it is, and then I'm dealing with a niche within a niche. So it's like, how do you expand your audience? And I'm considering how to expand it in different mediums, like whether it be YouTube or, or podcasts. There's there's a lot of podcasts. So I'm not sure if I should do, start a podcast, but... um. Yeah, uh, it's. Uh, I'm thinking, how do you, how do you, how do you expand on that? There's like this great format. Uh, read to me in Sydney, which is really cool. Like people just read their comic books and they project it on the screen, and and people are really into that. I love that format. It kind of just reminds me of like you know play school when when the when the host would read a book to the to the audience like mm -hmm. a picture book and they'd show them the pictures and stuff. Kind of love that sort of stuff. So I don't know. I might explore something like that, but um. At the moment, it's just all comic books and maybe adapting that to other formats or, or something like that. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I actually don't know if anyone's... I've known a couple of people who have, who have wanted to do that and to, to explore the, you know, the, um, the expanding of the medium. I don't know how I feel about it, personally. Mm. I think... Well, uh, it's, it's got to go back to comic books and, like, be, you know, it's got to push that sort of 
formats like oh you enjoyed that little presentation buy the book come on join us and buy the book i'm trying to look up what this term is it's like there's a, a japanese uh term for it it's this thing that they were doing i think even before like world war ii or something where did it go it just disappeared i've had this i i have a i have a bad memory so i keep like uh safari pages open on, on my phone just to remember terms and words and things to look up later sounds, but it's sounds like sounds reasonable i do that too but it's this japanese thing where like this old guy would have like a little sort of theater on the back of his bike and he'd just sort of go through cards and he'd narrate it and it was sort of like a lot of people said oh that's like early anime or, or something in, in a sense because it's like you know you just have a, a little audience of people watching someone tell a story and i'm just like yeah it's such a a cool little format and you know uh, I, I sort of wanted to do something like that. Yeah, I, I, I like the the concept of the the read me uh, that you explained. I, I think I'm having a hard time processing that because for me, comics it's a it's a singular experience. It's a. It's, mm. I don't know how I feel about sitting in a room with a bunch of other people, you know, having someone read a comic to me. It's definitely a bit. Uh, I'd say almost like stand up in a sense. I think there's sort of a. a, a, a I think there's a, a bridge between the two, I guess, with the format like that, because you'd have to be inserting your own personality into it. Whereas when I read a comic, I'm I'm casting the voices and stuff in my head. I'm like, oh yeah, this guy sounds like this, and you know, mm -hmm. you, you you almost even got a soundtrack in your head when you're yeah. reading by yourself. Well, that's uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I'd I'd probably at some stage like to experience it. I don't know how I feel about it, but <laughs> but uh, you know, a lot of people are doing different stuff, and I just think. You know, things like that, not that they necessarily take away from comics, but, mm. uh, you know, it, it's, it's still that relationship of reader and, and mm. book and that, that, um, the way that that works on, yeah. on a, on a level that, that is individualistic mm. you know, and everybody, you know, everybody reads a different way. Everybody understands things a different way. I don't know how that kind of setup works. Is it a, is it kind of like a book club? Do they, do they, do they talk about the book afterwards? No, they're, they're basically just promoting like artists and stuff. And they're like, oh, do you have a story to tell? And they, these people tell a story and stuff. Right. It, it, you know, it's a bit hit and miss, but like, it's, it's a cool concept. It's a, a great format that I like, but you know, how, how would you refine it? Like, how would I make it my own? I don't know, but it's just something I'm, I'm thinking about. Like, um, but you know, maybe, maybe it'll be on YouTube or something or, or I don't know. We'll, we'll see how we go. Like an animated comic. Pretty much. Like I did, I have done something similar to that with, um, yeah, I mentioned the taxidermist idea I had Hector and the crow. I actually did make a short film of that and it was basically a motion comic and yeah, I just, that's, put that's the word I'm looking for. It. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Motion comic. But I, I, I haven't put it online. It's actually trapped on an old Emac that is not turning on anymore. I've burnt it on DVDs that I've lost. So it sounds like something I'm just making up, but it does in fact exist and people have seen it. But uh, I'm not sure if I could chuck chuck on YouTube anyway, because the soundtrack is just all these bands and stuff. So just get copyright, you know, infringed yeah, immediately. Yeah. You mentioned you had a thousand ideas. Are you looking at expanding any of them or are you just solely focusing now on a couple of projects, making sure that they're done before you move on to the next one? Pretty much that. I mean, I'm going to do like an, another like misery book or two and maybe like do the odd morbid cheap uh, short story anthology. But I have another book idea that's semi-related to misery but i do want to approach it more like a traditional comic book where i write a script and do that properly so it's not just me uh, doing scribbles at the pub and stuff it's me actually trying to write a script as if i'm doing it for a movie or, or, or whatever and yeah uh, it's going to be more dialogue based and but it's still going to be horror and stuff mm -hmm. i don't want to give away too much now but i do want to yeah try and try my hand at a more traditional comic book approach as well with a morbid shape uh, anthology series are you, is that solely just you to exercise all your different ideas or are you getting uh, other creators in on that and publishing some of their work purely me purely me but i do want to do an anthology with other comic book artists I've, i have been asking the question to a few people and i've got some bites and stuff but it is a matter of like because you know it takes so long to work on this stuff and if you do work on comics you your time is very precious so you don't want to muck around with people's time and you want to make sure there's a clear idea and an agreed goal and but that's that's for the future um we'll see how that goes would you be okay with farming out some of your some of your ideas to uh, other people to to do for let's say morbid cheap oh i'm training my nephews they're going to make the comics for me <laughs> <laughs> no um possibly 
I mean, I've got a little guest gallery in uh, Misery Miss Muffet, but I mean, that was just for like sort of, you know, just just to have a guest gallery for fun. Mm -hmm. But in terms of pitching ideas to other people, I think I'd need a lot more clout before I, I could even dare do something like that because. You know, like I, I get approached when people find out you're an illustrator, they do, oh, I've got a great idea. You should draw this and stuff. And it's just like, well, I'm not, I'm not trying to give shit to people who, who purely write, but it, it takes a long time to draw something as opposed to writing something. I mean, that you can, you can spend just as much time writing something, sure. But, you know, it's a whole nother deal to actually illustrate it. And it's a whole nother set of skills, various skills. And so I, I don't take it lightly. So when people approach me for it, I'm just like, uh, I got plenty of my own ideas I need to explore. I don't want to explore your ideas. So if I was to do the same, I, I wouldn't take it very lightly. I'd make sure it was uh, something uh, something worth their time. Yeah, right. Wouldn't it necessarily be like a cross-promotional thing? Like if you've got like-minded people that you know out there that have stories that you could whack into something together mm. uh, and you know, you would effectively be maximizing your your reach really and there'd be yeah. you'd be putting your stuff in front of people who don't normally see it isn't that wouldn't that be like a a decent way of getting some of the, more of those niche that niche crew around yeah possibly i don't know i have to i have to look in you give me lots of ideas today <laughs> well i just i just think like you know if you if if you all you need really is like what three or four other people hell you could do like five minute grabs or you know mm. and and that i suppose it doesn't even necessarily have to be a brand new story you could just grab pieces from everybody's comic and just chuck it in one big anthology as a, as a that has pack. that has crossed my mind because i've got a few yeah friends who do different comics and like it would be cool if we just threw pre-existing stories and do a chapter by chapter or something like that but i don't know maybe maybe do that for an overseas market or something i don't know yeah it's still there's there's just too many fucking ideas it's just <laughs> it's like what do you concentrate on so at the moment, it's misery for the moment, and the next mm -hmm. moment, sheep. That's what I'm concentrating on, and uh, see what the response is like, and see what maybe I need to uh, concentrate more on. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned earlier that your disdain for some social media, and you, you use Instagram a lot, selling some of your books. Yeah. Uh, how impactful has, let's say, doing stuff through Instagram, and, and as much as you loathe social media, how how beneficial is it for you in particular? Um, I'd say. It's beneficial because it, it does give you that voice. And I think if you spread yourself too thin, it's it's going to be a weaker voice. So it's, yeah, I, I don't mind Instagram. It's, it's fine. It's it's interesting. I like those little, you know, draw this in your own style. And that offers a lot of interaction with other artists and other fan bases and stuff. Like, like I, I drew like a Hollow Knight, you know, um, it's a video game. It's actually created by team cherry who are in australia but it was this great little gothic video game and i, I thought oh you know there's some there might be some mutual potential fans and stuff so I, I drew one of the characters and i post that on instagram and got a few followers from the hollow knight fan base that was kind of nice but you know if if they actually buy the book i think only one guy bought the book but it's fine you know at least i had a good conversation with him and i was talking to him the other day it's just it's nice to connect with people I, I genuinely, I genuinely appreciate the whole writing to people, like having, it, you know, having just chatting to someone in a long form uh, way and just, you know, going back and forth. I forget the word, the word is lost on, is lost on me, but you know, the, the old way people used to write letters to one another and stuff. What is that word I'm looking for? Correspondence? Yeah, yeah correspondence, I guess. I thought it was more romantic, but never mind. Never mind. But it's it's great to um, it's just cool to to talk to people and connect to the people and see what they like, and yeah, it's it. I I like that side of it. I like connecting with people and just having a having a good old chat. But but overall, is it beneficial? Do you think anyway? Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> do they even still have gothic nightclubs here around? Do they have them in Sydney? Uh, well, I used to go to Blink when it was on at King's Cross. That was super fun. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they do anymore. I feel like they moved to a place on George Street. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, last time I went was maybe five years ago, and I went to see my friend Say Lilith play in in Z Cluster, and I was trying to sell my my comics there, but you know, I think people were there for the music, not for the not for the artwork and comics. Yeah, right. Would you yeah. always just um, set up a, a small flyer and hand them out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, I, 
yeah, I, I mean, there were there were a few goth clubs down here in in Melbourne, mm. but you know, I haven't. Well, I wouldn't know. It's probably been about fifteen years since I've mm. actually seen a goth club. Yeah. Um, and I think goth means something completely different nowadays than what it used to. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I reckon so. I reckon. I so. don't think I have the energy to dance anymore either. So. <laughs> We'll oh, just, I, I'll just end in like a pool of sweat. It's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd, uh, I'd, uh, we, we always marvel at, at uh, the goth crew uh, at a club that we used to visit 20 years ago. And it was, we got to know a few of them and, and they were really nice people. But uh, the penchant for the, the long dark clothes and the makeup and stuff like that always, uh, used, to, always used to, you know, freak us out. But, but uh, you know, seeing, seeing, seeing that crew dance up a storm, Listening to all all that new romantic shit from the yeah. from the eighties, it was it was hilarious. Yeah, and then you know, like I said, they were really fucking nice people, really cool. Oh no, it's a great community. As long as you're goth on the inside, that's that's all that matters. <laughs> I still listen to my heavy music and stuff, but but you know, I, I branched out to other genres and stuff. It's it's good to it's good to branch out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was just uh, good times. I I only got fond memories. Uh, Tim, thanks heaps. Thank you for your time Thank today, you. and thanks for coming on the show. Uh, good luck with Misery, Miss Muffet, and uh, the next installment of Morbid Sheep. Thank you for having me. This no has been great. All right, See catch you, bye. man. Bye. Uh, that is the end of this episode of Graphic Nature. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you could please rate and review the show on whatever podcast service you use, it would be greatly appreciated. If you have any thoughts regarding the show, feel free to send an email to feedback at graphicnature.media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For more information about the show, visit Graphic Nature on the web by typing into your web browser or search engine, graphicnature.media. Thanks very much. And uh, I suppose until next time, enjoy the comics you read and read the comics you enjoy. Thanks a lot. Credits! Written, produced, edited, and presented by Zoran Ilyevsky. Audio consultation and additional production. Archie Cuthbertson, Dan Moore. Credits announcer, Simon Winkler. Theme character voices, Zoran Ilyevsky. Audio excerpts of Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency, Wortham vs. Gaines on Decency Standards, used courtesy of New York City Municipal Archives. You've been listening to Graphic Nature the podcast.